I'm Alex Marlowe, Editor-in-Chief of Breitbart News, and it's Media Day on the Breitbart News Daily Podcast. I give you all the details on the ouster of Jeff Zucker, the former president of CNN. Was it really that big of a deal that he was in a consensual relationship with one of his subordinates? It's not a great look, of course, but CNN has let their own staff slide on worse. So what gives? And what explains the curious timing when all this bad news is coming out with CNN's ratings? Perhaps there's something else going on. Also, we get into the JCPA, the media cartel bill that was scrutinized in a Capitol Hill hearing yesterday. It's being sold to the public as a bill that takes on big tech and supports local journalism. But in my opinion, it's at best a nuisance to big tech and will do next to nothing to help local media. But it will certainly be devastating to independent outlets like mine. I break it all down. Also on the show, we get into the NBC hiring the single worst talking head in the history of punditry. We'll tell you who that is and why something absurd has occurred in the establishment press. And we're supposed to be convinced that they all care about ratings? Meanwhile, ESPN is propping up an American skiing champion who is going for gold in Beijing as a member of the CCP. That's right, the Chinese Communist Party's Olympic squad. Disgraceful, but hardly surprising. Do you understand why I I felt that it was necessary to write an entire book on this stuff? Two guests today on the show, John Nolte, my actual godfather and senior writer for Breitbart News, who offers us the background behind CNN's reputational decline in the Jeff Zucker era. Plus, we get his thoughts on the Whoopi Goldberg and Joe Rogan cancellation efforts. Then J.D. Vance joins us, author, Ohio Senate candidate, and regular guest on the show. He's a top foe of the big tech elite and explains why he still opposes the JCPA, which, of course, is being sold as anti-big tech, which really, not really. Also, we get into some of the solutions that Americans who want to start to chip away at the power and influence of the American oligarchy can start engaging in today. But first, I want to tell you about American Hartford Gold. I'm not the only one who's noticed that everything is getting expensive and we're in the biggest economic crisis since 2008 with the government that's printing trillions and trillions of dollars. Consumer prices are the highest we've seen in 30 years and inflation is here to stay. And if the government continues its out-of-control printing and spending, the dollar could continue its freefall and lose its coveted role as the world's reserve currency. So how do you protect your money, your retirement, your savings? Well, American Hartford Gold can show you how to hedge your hard-earned savings against inflation by helping you diversify a portion of your portfolio into physical gold and silver. They'll even help you move your existing IRA or 401k out of the stock market and into a precious metals IRA. And they make it easy. They're the highest rated firm in the country with an A-plus rating from the Better Business Bureau, and they have thousands of satisfied clients. And if you call them right now, they'll give you up to $1,500 of free silver on your first qualifying order. So don't wait. Call them now. Call 866-670-7660. That's 866-670-7660 or text ALEX to 65532. Again, that's 866-670-7660. 7660 or text or text Alex to 65532. So let's start digging into the news. And there are two just monumental media stories of the JCPA hearings from yesterday, which I'll get to in a moment. But I'll start with Jeff Zucker uh, resigning in disgrace from CNN. Uh, you guys might know Jeff Zucker is one of my least favorite people in media, even though I was never a huge CNN fan, but he was the person who gambled so big with CNN's brand, which was a internationally respected news brand that was known for, uh, above all else, their war coverage and was seen 
as the neutral of the three cable news network and pretty much respected universally. And then it came out uh, yesterday that he was going to resign from CNN due to an inappropriate relationship with a subordinate. And so this is a sort of a sex scandal. Um, But the problem is that maybe that's not actually what happened. And uh, we had lots of write-ups of Breitbart News and lots of comments that this is one that is a little bit fishy, just a little bit fishy. Um, Here is the statement that uh, Zucker made or that CNN's Brian Stelter made and reported. As part of the investigation into Chris Cuomo's tenure at CNN, Zucker says that I was asked about a consensual relationship with my closest colleague, someone I've worked with for more than 20 years. I acknowledge the relationship evolved in recent years. I was required to disclose it when it began, but I didn't. I was wrong. And as a result, I am resigning today. So Zucker was in a relationship with someone named Allison Golist, who was a CNN chief marketing officer, so vice president level uh, position where she was very powerful at the network. And so the bosses um, were, were getting down. And this has been going on, however, for it appears years. And I'm guessing, though, you know, I don't have all the details in front of me. I'm guessing it started out as an affair at some point. But eventually, Jeff Zucker and his wife uh, separated and then I think divorced. This was several years ago. The relationship continued, and it seems to be entirely uh, consensual. So originally, a clandestine romance dating back years, perhaps extramarital, which is, of course, obviously morally um, not not good, but not something that is at all uncommon, particularly from what we know about just about every major cable news company. And every if any of you read my book, Breaking the News, this is something that is more, more the rule than the exception in the cable news world, um, unfortunately. I don't think our most moral people are the people we uh, put forward on television quite often. Uh, forgive me for not warning you to sit down before I gave you that shocking information. Um, but it is it is something that I guess uh, took over, but it came up in the Chris Cuomo probe where people were investigating Cuomo when he was ousted for, uh, I guess he, he grabbed a colleague's butt and then he was um, working too closely with his brother, Andrew, who resigned in disgrace um, for a sexual assault scandal, or maybe it was because he botched COVID so bad that he was becoming a nuisance to the Democrats' political ambitions. And then Cuomo was using CNN's resources to investigate the accusers of Andrew. So it was all bad uh, stuff over at CNN. Also, the network where you'd CNN legal analyst Jeffrey Tubin literally caught masturbating in front of his colleagues on Zoom. So uh, it's just a, a, a network that is pretty pretty much one after the next. Oh, Don Don Lamone, who was credibly accused of sexually assaulting someone where he was making him smell his fingers when his fingers had been touching something that he shouldn't have been touching. Just horrible, horrible, disgusting stuff, like stuff I can't even read the allegations on morning radio. I'm trying to inform the public here, and I, I you guys are not making it easy for me, CNN. But uh, lo and behold, this investigation to Cuomo's happening, and this information comes out, and uh, they oust... Zucker because I guess he was uh, uh, preying upon the staff. But is that really what happened? Is that really what you guys believe happened? CNN's ratings are in the basement. They're in, they are, they're always in the basement. And now they're actually in the toilet, like below the basement, in the, the toilet that is in the basement. So like where Tony Blinken gets his swirlies from the Chinese when he goes to uh, meet with Chinese delegation, talk about Black Lives Matter and stuff like that. 
That, that is how low CNN's ratings are at this point, because they bet so big on Trump derangement syndrome without Trump to push around anymore. They don't even have Trump's mean tweets at this point, because, of course, you know, Trump is not allowed to tweet. So, uh, so maybe that's actually the issue, because as the um, New Yorker wrote, um, it, it, as, as the New York, I'm sorry, New York Magazine wrote, that this relationship with Alison Golist was one of the biggest open secrets in media. That's how they wrote it. One of the biggest open secrets in media. Here's the quote. Zucker and Golis' relationship is one of the biggest open secrets in media. CNN staffers awkwardly navigated the pairing since every time they dealt with her, they were keenly aware that she was involved with the boss. They were rolling their eyes at Golis' own statements that said, recently our relationship changed during COVID. It had been going on for much longer. Page six, which is from the New York Post, would wink at it from time to time. And the two have known each other since they worked together at NBC decades ago. And uh, I will add that Matt Boyle at Breitbart News uh, also uh, believed this was the case and became close to reporting it in 2018 at Breitbart that this relationship was taking place. Um, but we didn't because we didn't quite have enough. I don't like the personal stuff, as you guys know. So we, we've done it before at Breitbart, but it has to be a very high threshold, even for people we detest like Zucker. But it's just an interesting thing because it, it ends an era that was just marred with such disgrace. And it was an era that took CNN as his brand that had a great reputation when Zucker came in. And I guess he came in about 2015 or so. And uh, the ratings never got very high. I, they kind of rose a little bit during Trump, but never to a very high level. And now the brand is known for fake news, for propaganda, for hoaxes, is detested. Um, you know, the CNN sucks chance that would break out the Trump rallies. By so, and the reporters are just, are just terrible, just truly terrible. Uh, so few of the biggest stories that you'll read about will come from CNN's reporters. And they will be ignoring the biggest ones that are reported by actually good journalists. So he really destroyed the network in so many ways. And this has become, I think, from what I'm hearing, was becoming a nuisance for, uh, for, the, for the Time Warner company. And uh, the CNN was part of AT&T, Time Warner. And there were other executives there, even media executives who were not happy, even Democrats, um, according to sources that uh, give me information from time to time, not always stuff that's cr fully credible enough and fleshed out enough that we can report on the pages of Breitbart.com. But I can tell you what is in my ear, and has been in my ear for a while, that even Democrats within the AT&T Time Warner Corporation uh, have been dissatisfied with the comic nature of the way CNN has disgraced itself, and not just with the handling of Chris Fredo Cuomo and his ridiculous show and his ridiculous brother, um, but just overall the network makes everything look partisan and bad. And uh, to be honest with you, of all the major multinational conglomerates, they've probably done a little bit more to not be as woke as overall the AT&T Time Warner Company as some of, as some of the others. Um, and so I think some of the people, like people at the Discovery Network, for example, are kind of going, what's going on over there? It's time to stop. It is time to stop. It is hurting the entire brand, and maybe it is time to push this guy out, and they finally got their shot. But it just seems a little ham-fisted to me. If it was a known thing, everyone knew this relationship was happening, Zucker's not with his wife anymore, then why today? But uh, his career is in, is in trouble. But his career should have been in trouble before. And this is what's disturbing about all this. That I remember CNN during his tenure openly embraced political violence against the right. 
uh, repeatedly um, uh, backing Antifa and riots in black neighborhoods. They pushed the famous hands up, don't shoot hoax. They went hard after the Covington kids. So many names of people who were credible journalists when they arrived at CNN, Jake Tapper and Brian Stelter clearly come to mind first, are now just seen as kind of goofballs with low ratings. Brian Stelter had a really tough day. Brian Stelter, who is about my age, even though he looks like he's 20 to 30 years older, um, he was a very respected reporter when he covered the media beat, first on his own for independent outlets, then the New York Times. Very respected. He got a lot of scoops. He was a scoop factory. And then he went to CNN and became Jeff Zucker's mouthpiece. And then now he's a low-rate pundit opining on things in a comical way and not looking good or sounding good on TV. He just does not have the look or the voice to be on TV, yet he's there. Why is he there? Because he's Jeff Zucker's mouthpiece. Well, now Jeff Zucker's gone. Um, Pretty good day for Jake Tapper, probably, who famously didn't like Zucker. And then Zucker promoted Chris Cuomo over Tapper, even though obviously Tapper's smarter than Cuomo. But Cuomo is less, I would say, unlikable than Tapper. Tapper's got a fan base, but he's a very smug, and it just is off-putting so often. But Tapper was another guy who was respected by all sides when he got to CNN and now is seen as a, a plant that sort of is a left-wing activist who regulates the left sometimes. Um, I wrote about a lot of this in my book, Breaking the News, if you want more details on Zucker's tenure, but he's just not a good, even at NBC, he knew apparently, according to all the evidence, that Matt Lauer was preying on people at NBC and um, did nothing there. He, uh, one of my favorite anecdotes I uncovered while I was researching the book, that he, uh, his then 15-year-old son, Andrew, joined Cory Booker's internet startup as a millennial advisor and was given stock. So Cory Booker started an internet company and gave Jeff Zucker's kids stock. This is pre-Cory Booker running for president, which of course Cory Booker wanted to do. Can you imagine that? So top executive has his son getting paid off by a Democrat, no one cares. Isn't that pretty awesome? Um, Jeff Zucker also threw a lavish bar mitzvah for his son at the Four Seasons Hotel where he hired superstar rapper Drake for the evening for a reported $250,000 fee. That is something. That is a splurge. Um, Even better, though, they wanted Kanye to do it, but Kanye wanted a million dollars for the night, and Zucker shut it down. See, you would think I was joking, but I'm not at all. I'm 100% being honest on that. So I I don't know where he goes from here. Maybe he comes back. Oh, my gosh. I was just reminded. I was just flipping through my book. This is why breaking the news is good. I'm reminded that in the early stage of the pandemic, he convened a panel that included Greta Thunberg, the climate change kid. He had her on for a COVID-19 pandemic panel. So awesome. Um, He referred to the Hunter Biden stories that were unearthed according to a conference call that James O'Keefe and Project Veritas caught, the New York Post Hunter Biden scoops in the run-up to the 2020 election as fake news, and his network considered it the Breitbart New York Post Fox News rabbit hole that they would not go down. Of course, it turned out to be entirely true. So uh, it is why this guy was allowed to continue, but now all of a sudden he's out. 
seems a little suspicious. So maybe people are fed up at CNN. Maybe we'll get some change. But do you think it will be any better? Do you think they will go, all right, we got it wrong. This guy was no good. We should all move on. And try to do something, you know, more balanced. Return to reporting, get some other people who disagree. I, I don't know. I don't think that's going to happen at all. Um, but that is the nature of the media. Donald Trump celebrated, called uh, Zucker a sleazebag. And uh, he says CNN should put fake news in the backseat. I'm sure it was a very fun day for Donald Trump. So uh, good for Trump. Uh, finally gets his uh, scalp there, figuratively speaking. So it was fun to freaks. All right, other big media story yesterday was the hearings for the JCPA, which is this journalism bill that uh, we've been covering a lot on the show this week as well as at Breitbart.com. Um, and uh, we're getting a lot of attention for this. Politico is a big hit piece on us at Breitbart. Uh, that they're uh, very confused that we're for this bill and they're trying to make it seem like we're big outliers in the media landscape that we support a bill that would be a bailout for corporate news. And uh, Politico does, uh, we, I think thanks to us, was forced to disclose that they're actually on the board of this organization that is behind the bill. What? It's crazy. So Politico, which is behind the bill, literally pushing the bill, is doing a hit piece on Breitbart and we oppose the bill. So at least they, they kind of came clean in it. If you read the actual article, but they frame it very dishonestly. I will have more on that later. They frame it as something that the big tech doesn't want. Maybe big tech doesn't want it, but the numbers we'd be talking about for big tech are all marginal numbers. But big tech might have to pay out corporate media a little bit. But what the bill is, it is allows the media to form a cartel, corporate media specifically, to collectively bargain with big tech and they'll probably squeeze some money out of it. Um, but there was a hearing yesterday featuring People like Mike Lee and Marsha Blackburn and others, our friend Dan Gaynor, I'll play uh, some uh, extensive audio of Gaynor in a second, um, who was quite good. But the gist of this, if anyone is asking, that this is a collectively bargaining by corporate media, corporate media which will do their part to silence the anti-establishment media, the media that I'm a part of. That is what the goal will be, and that is uh, what we will certainly see. So if it passes, which there, I'm not sure it is, and I think it did lose some momentum yesterday, and it doesn't, of course, point out stuff like people like Lorene Powell Jobs and Jeff Bezos are on both sides of the coin, that they're tech giants and they also own uh, news outlets. So they're kind of negotiating with themselves. That's not considered. Instead, what's happening is being framed as though this was some sort of a, um, a local news bill, but it's not. It's really corporate versus independent media. And there's no evidence that the corporate media, even if it owns some of the local news outlets, will uh, put resources back into local news, which has not shown a credible business model in the high-tech era to make money. There's no evidence to suggest that they will, they will, they will fund it. So, um, yeah, and, and I was reminded, I, again, flipping through my book, Breaking the News, that the New York Times has, on their board, has a top executive from Facebook. So New York Times is going to be negotiating with Facebook, even though the New York Times and Facebook are the same some days. So that's kind of where we are. And Facebook's already paid out the corporate media a lot, and they'll pay it out more over time. You can uh, take that to the bank. So why would this bailout happen for corporate news when America's trust in corporate news is so low? I mean, look what's happening at CNN. Apropos, right? The day we're doing these hearings is the day that CNN is finally losing their disgraceful um, head, Jeff Zucker. 
So, and you see what's happening to Joe Rogan. They're trying to throw Joe Rogan, a, a, a independent media guy who went corporate and they're trying to just, just censor him. So none of these people are to be trusted and there should be no bailouts for them whatsoever. That's my, our take at Breitbart News and we are, we'll, we'll keep preaching it until this thing dies a miserable death. Mike Lee says the media cartel bill would benefit the New York Times and the Washington Post and he is not wrong. Um, we've got some clips here. Um, let's play for now. I want to play more of this when we come back from break, I think. But let's play a clip of Dan Gaynor. Um, let's play cut 15, please. But Mr. Gaynor, isn't the problem for news publishers uh, simply that their value as an advertising venue has been diluted uh, by the advent of the Internet and targeted digital advertising? Well, it's been diluted even before... Uh, the internet. Uh, you know, the Congress passed the Newspaper Preservation Act in 1970, uh, trying to stop newspapers from going out of business back then. We ended up with, I think, uh, more than two dozen joint operating agreements back then. Uh, you know, people live their lives online in much of the country right now, and two years of COVID restrictions have encu further encouraged that. When people aren't going to advertisers, they aren't going to stores, they aren't going to restaurants, those restaurants and stores stop buying ads, and that affects everybody, the, the businesses that are, that we're talking about here. Yeah, a, a good point there, among many good points that Lee and Gaynor make, and I'll play, again, I'll play some more throughout the show today a little bit, but in a nutshell, Tom Cotton sums it up in an exclusive statement to Breitbart that this bill would mean uh, more censorship of conservatives, that's where this would go. And you should call our congressman because this one is on the fence. This one could pass. The Journalism Competition and Preservation Act was sold throughout the hearing yesterday that lasted a couple hours as a bill that would give local news outlets the ability to collectively negotiate for fair comp compensation with companies like Google and Facebook. Uh, but the problem is, it is uh, it's got a loophole in it that allows independent competitors and including independent local news outlets to be excluded. So it really is an exception to antitrust uh, or an exemption for antitrust for media companies that would allow widely distributed media companies to collectively bargain and the, the, uh, uh, create a legal cartel so that they can, I guess, sort of take on Silicon Valley, even though they're so often the same people. But why are we weakening antitrust right now? Isn't one of the whole problems in this country at the moment that our antitrust laws are, are not getting the job done because they're inefficient? They're insufficient, inefficient too, but insufficient. One of the biggest problems we got going is that there are, are, are too many people that I think are too many industries where the biggest corporations are, are um, should be violating antitrust but are not. Senator Ben Ray Lujan was hospitalized and he does not have a return timetable. Um, this is a crucial vote. He's senator from uh, New Mexico and he was hospitalized Tuesday. There's no timetable for his return following a, a swelling, a brain injury following a stroke. Of course, we pray for him and his family. Um, but on a political level, this is very interesting because, of course, you know, we're talking, we're heading in towards a Supreme Court nomination and this is a crucial Democrat vote. And the process to he needs to come back for Schumer's agenda to move forward. So he does not have a majority at this point because of the 50 50 nature of the Congress. Now, I don't think the way it works. I mean, this doesn't you know make Mitch McConnell the, the, the majority leader at this point. But technically, with Lujan on the bench uh, and again, he could come back soon. 
but uh, the likelihood is that he will not come back right away. And this means the Democrats' agenda is going to be really stalled out. And they've got some stuff out there. They've got a goofy China bill that does not help China. I'm sure that does not help America and probably is okay with China. Um, But it is creating what some people are describing as a virtual veto on legislation for Mitch McConnell. Um, And that is interesting, I think, in particular when it comes to the Supreme Court, which is already going to be in a knife's edge where we're looking at a March or early April confirmation for whoever the Supreme Court pick will be which Biden has promised by the end of February, we know it will be a, uh, a a woman of color. That's what we know. We don't know if she'll be any good at uh, doing her job, but we do know that she'll be a woman of color because that's the most important. Um, one other news item I have to bring up, NBC News has hired uh, Stephen Hayes. Stephen Hayes is the worst pundit that's ever existed. He was the guy who ran the, wall, the uh, Weekly Standard in the ground, longtime Fox News guy. Um, wrong on basically everything. At Breitbart News, uh, I refer to him as the cooler. If he gives an opinion, it is almost always wrong. There is no wronger person in punditry. Um, and he runs something called the Dispatch now, which I, I don't really know what that is, but that is a thing. And he, I don't know why he was on TV so long at Fox. He was not very good at giving opinions. His opinions are so wrong. He's not interesting to look at or listen to. Um, but he is left Fox, I guess. I think he was mad at Tucker Carlson or something because he didn't like something that Tucker was doing that was actually getting Fox ratings. Um, he destroyed one publication, the Weekly Standard, which is never that great, but was okay. Sort of a neocon publication. Um, he gets a lot of crap from people because he was the person more than any other person on planet Earth who sold the ties between Al-Qaeda and Iraq, which led to the Iraq War. So pushing the Democrat media, I'm sorry, not the Democrat media complex, the the military industrial complex, the war machine, more than anyone else. So, which is alive and well, by the way. The White House finally acknowledged what we've been reporting at Breitbart News for two weeks, which is there is no imminent threat for uh, Ukraine to get invaded by Russia. Can we play that cut? We've got cut two. Haley, go ahead. One last question. Last week, I believe in here, you said that you the assessment still was that a Russian invasion is imminent. That's the word that you'd used before that other officials have used and used it last week. But yesterday, the ambassador to the United Nations, Linda Thomas-Greenfield, said she would not use the word imminent. She said she does not think a Russian invasion of Ukraine is imminent. So I guess we just need some clarification on where that assessment stands right now. I used that once. I think others have used that once. And then we stopped using it because I think it sent an uh, a message that we weren't intending to send, which was that we knew that President Putin had made a decision. I would say the vast majority of times I've talked about it, we said he could invade at any time. That's true. We still don't know that he's made a decision. Okay, so you're not okay. using that okay. word. I think I used it once. <laughs> he, he used imminent, and then say, well, I had no idea what the word imminent meant, apparently. I got my dictionary out, um, the Webster's, and then I cross-checked it with the Oxford Dictionary, and it says that I'd use the word wrong. It's not imminent. So there you go. So the military industrial complex alive and well, they want us, wanted us so badly to be in some sort of a war between Russia and Ukraine. Uh, almost everyone in American media uh, took the bait. We did not at Breitbart. And um, that is just, just a reminder how bad it is. But this is like top guy. This is like the military industrial complex's top spokesperson in the news. And now he's out of Fox and he's in at NBC. So do you think NBC cares about ratings? I wrote an entire book about this, a big chapter in NBC. There's no evidence NBC cares about ratings. NBC cares about being the face 
of NBC Comcast Universal, which is in Beijing right now with exclusive rights to the Olympics. They want to preserve the international globalist status quo. That is the goal of NBC News. Hiring someone like Stephen Hayes who's wrong about everything and is not good on TV is exactly why I uh, wrote stuff, uh, wrote my book. This is it. This is a perfect example. They're not looking at the landscape and thinking we need to balance it out with people with other diverse and interesting viewpoints that are compelling for viewers. Who can preserve the corporate status quo at NBC? This guy. Speaking of the Olympics, um, I've got one I want to throw out there with you. Free ski star Eileen Gu, according to ESPN, is doing a delicate balancing act between China and the U.S. Here's the balancing act. Gu grew up in California, won championships in Colorado, but is favored to win three gold medals in the Olympic Games. But she will be competing for, drumroll please, the CCP, China. Due to some Olympic rule, because her mom was born in China, she has decided, even though she's a U.S. citizen and an athlete who grew up in California, learned to ski there, won competitions in America, is an American, it seems, is actually going to be competing for China and probably winning gold medals for China. As if there was a, you didn't have enough reasons to hate the genocide games enough. Now you have this one. So we'll be rooting very hard for Eileen Gu, true patriot for the CCP. The fact that people would come to America, take advantage of the system, love the system, be embraced by the system, and then go to a place like China, our uh, enemies geopolitically, and go try to win gold medals for them. It just shows you how morally uh, bankrupt so many of um, the people associated with the Olympics are. It just is. And it's not all the athletes. A lot of the athletes are kind of victims and all this. I, I get it. I get it. But this is not an example of that. Not an example in the slightest. Last one, I guess, uh, for the opening that we touched on briefly yesterday, but I will uh, throw this out there for callers. Uh, the Washington uh, football team will now be known as the Commanders, which is meaningless. We all want to take anything remotely controversial who could defend that, that take any sort of... Um, interesting stand like the name Redskins which Native Americans American Indians didn't weren't bothered by but woke uh, leftists generally white not people who live in Washington typically were offended by it so they changed the name it took two years to come up with the name and they came up with pretty much the most neutral thing imaginable I think um, my friend Dennis Prager said that he wanted to grab the barf bag I think that was the quote that I read of his yeah that's about right Did you know that there's a conservative advocacy and benefits organization with more than 2 million members and counting? AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens. AMAC has become one of the most important conservative organizations in America. Joining AMAC gives you access to money-saving benefits, cutting-edge news, and a magazine full of insightful takes on today's most important issues. But most importantly, AMAC is working tirelessly to preserve the freedom secured by our Constitution. With a full-time presence on Capitol Hill, AMAC is pushing back against the efforts to defund our police, weaken our borders, and replace your freedom with government controls. So stand with me and over 2 million patriots by joining right now at amac.us forward slash Breitbart. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S forward slash Breitbart. The benefits are great, but the cause is greater. So join today at amac.us forward slash Breitbart. 
right. Always a pleasure when John Nolte is on the line with me. The second employee of Breitbart News, you might recall, I was the first employee. He was second, and he took a brief hiatus from us for a time, but he's been here uh, the longest other than uh, me, and he always comes with the insight and the wit and the clever analysis. But he has tracked CNN better than anyone over the Jeff Sucker era, in my opinion, and he breaks down the era coming to an end. Who's up? Who's down? What? is really behind this move does it make sense all that to come in the interview plus his hot take on uh whoopi goldberg joe rogan and more john nolte senior writer for breitbart news now i mean nolte there's a ton to get to today and we have a little less time than i would like because a packed show um so i want to dig into it there's a few things i want to go off the board and get your take on Uh, but first one is i do want to get your thoughts on the demise of jeff zucker uh, whose relationship that seems like everyone knew about um, which is a big open secret, was revealed, I guess, in his dispute with Chris Cuomo, uh, who was ousted from the network for using CNN resources to help his brother fight off sexual assault accusers who were credible, of course. And that is a uh, that is where we are. It seems very curious, the timeline here, John. I want your take on all this. The timing is curious because it is it was an open secret for years. And why now? Why is why is he why is he being fired now? And it would make sense to me that it probably had to do with uh, the fact that it was not so much a secret within the industry anymore because Radar Online reported earlier in the month, and CNN is tanking. Uh, its reputation has been dead for years as far as a credible news outlet, but the ratings are humiliating and unlike anything. I think even people like me expected to see you have you have their entire primetime lineup struggling to average half a million viewers when anything under a million is considered bad. That is a, that is a very bad sign. And Zucker was obviously a very powerful executive, but also one that had the loyalty of his staff. As we've seen um, after this firing, a lot of his staffers, former staffers now are making fools of themselves defending him. So this might have been a power play by the new parent company coming in. It's a way to finally get rid of him and, and install their own group of people. And maybe the idea will be to go back to CNN actually reporting news rather than spreading misinformation. Are you holding your breath in that regard, John? Because it does seem oh, like whenever someone always. gets ousted, it, it always seems to get worse before it gets better. They just move the boxes around. That's all they really do. But. You know, the, the guy that's coming in, he, he did an interview and said he'd like to see CNN go back to journalism. So, you know, maybe that's what they're going to try, but that doesn't mean it's going to happen. Um, because that, that entire regime, everyone at CNN is tainted and corrupted. And, you know, we don't know what's going on behind the scenes. Because those, those people all sold their souls for Jeff Sucker to make him happy and to get rich. And once you're compromised it's very easy to keep you compromised because someone's going to say to you, listen, if you do this, I'm going to reveal that. And that's the spiral that you can get into. And that's why the moment you slip up morally or you slip up as far as compromising your integrity, you're on a hook you can never get off of until you come clean. So who knows what's going on there with people saying, if you don't do, you know, you need to do this or we're going to reveal that. So I also think the story has has a long way to go before it's over because that that's a network that is compromised to the bone. 
I was going through it, John. A lot of this was kind of cribbing off of some of your what, your write ups from yesterday. It's just you forget how many people have been compromised, and then there there is the people who've been compromised, like Brian Stelter and Jake Tapper, who have just you know came it came to the network with reputations as solid journalists and are now kind of seen as left wing caricatures. But then there's also the Don Lamones of the world. There's the Chris Cuomo's of the world. Uh, there's people who have you know had their own share of scandal as well as uh, well some others who were fired for their Russia collusion reporting, which we uh, broke at Breitbart a couple of years ago. I mean, they've had some real a real series of scandals um, that does rival a lot of other other networks. I know Fox has had their share of scandals over the years, and so has NBC, which of course has had the most, I think. But CNN is definitely not fr- uh, this sort of paragon of morality either. And that's another reason why this wasn't surprising, why none of these sex scandals have been surprising. If you want to find someone who's morally compromised, they're generally someone who's self-righteous. Because self-righteous people tend to feel a sense of entitlement. What a good point. They think, well, I'm, I'm so good, I can have an affair. Or I'm so good, I can give myself a little treat with, with, you know, with having sex with a child, which is another problem over there. Or I'm so good, I can sexually assault someone, which is what. Wait, hold on, hold on, hold on, John. There's another one, I, and I had mentioned that. So, so you, but this is what I'm saying is that I'm losing track. They just had a scandal where the producer was either accused or, or what's the story with with that one? Because there was a pedophile scandal too. Two pedophile scandals. We have two two people at CNN. One who worked directly with Jake Tapper, who's the yeah. king of self righteousness. And of course, Tapper hasn't said anything. You know, he'll, even he'll even when it doesn't help his career, by the way, he got passed over for Cuomo, I think, specifically for that reason. I think that's why Fredo got given that slot is because Tapper is so smug it is just so off putting. I, I just think Zucker couldn't handle it in the primetime slot. Yeah, I, I don't doubt that it's that. And I don't doubt that it's because Jeff Zucker's side piece is very tight with Andrew Cuomo. Chris Cuomo's yeah, brother. Right. She worked for him <laughs> in PR for a year. Oh, my God. These so, so awful. So, so you have so you know think about it that that entire network for a year turned itself into the Andrew Como pom pom network, the Andrew Como we're going to make him president in 2020 network, and they covered up his scandals, they they acted like he was doing a good job in New York even as everybody was dying, um, and what I mean why do we think they did that? Why would they do that? Why they, everyone knew what Andrew Como was doing, just like everyone knew what Jeff Sucker was doing. And that's another, sure. that's another instance of them compromising themselves, the whole staff there because Andrew's side piece or cause, because Jeff Sucker's side piece was tight with Andrew Como. And now we're going to make Andrew Como president. And everyone knew she was his side piece. Everyone knew she had worked for Andrew Como. So Chris is allowed to get away with all this stuff. And the whole network, the whole network lined up to service her, if you'll pardon the term, um, in order to get to, to turn Andrew Como into some sort of mythological governor of America. And they all sold themselves out. They knew they knew what they were doing wasn't right, and they still went ahead and did it. And, and look at right. what happened. The whole thing came crashing down. Yeah, such an interesting uh, point. So what happens next? What do you think happens next here for Zucker and for the network? I think we're going to see more people leave. I have no doubt the side piece is gone. And don't forget, the side piece was supposed to be the next. She was supposed to replace Sucker. Yeah, she's a big she's up and coming. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, she was number two there. She'd worked her way up to number two. So 
I think she's going to leave. Obviously, I don't see any way she can stay on. And it, and you might see people like Stelter get booted out because he's such a butt boy. And also, this is this is something else. The day before Radar Online reported the affair, the day before, Brian Stelter in his new newsletter slashed out at Radar and said they were, you can't trust them, they're liars. Mm. It was based, it was a contrivance based on another story. But the day before they came out with the story. So you know he did that for Zucker. You know, Zucker called him and said, they're going to run the story on, on me, and I need you to tear into them. And yes, boss, yes, boss. So he makes up this reason to tear into them in his stupid newsletter. And what was that? Well, nobody reads the newsletter except people in the media. And that was a sign to the rest of the media, you shut up about this. You shut up about it. Don't you dare. Don't you dare talk about this. And the rest of the media, of course, is compromised, too, because they knew it. People we know knew that Tucker was doing this. They didn't have the goods to report it, but it was known. Very, very interesting. So you've got um, so so you've got this network filled with people who Zucker had invested in. He had to keep Fredo on the air with him. Fredo's gone. Um, you had Stelter, whose whole career was being Zucker's mouthpiece, um, obviously not Grand TV. I mean, the whole media unit, there was just a bunch of oddballs over there that were all, all propped up by Zucker, who really are not good on TV, and yet they're they're there. Uh, you got Don Lamone, who was protected by Zucker, even though he doesn't get ratings and say anything smart. Uh, Anderson Cooper's gotten incredibly lazy, same as Wolf Blitzer. So, so what is it, man? Are they going to clean house now? I mean, it just must be total panic mode for everyone over there, aside from probably Tapper. Tapper's probably having a good day because it doesn't seem like he likes soccer very much. I think that it's going to be difficult to get the staff to change what they're doing because in order to get them to change what they're doing, that's going to have to mean they admit that what they were doing before was wrong. Because the culture over there is we are left-wing zealots. We're propagandists. We'll spread all the misinformation we have to, to further our point because that's the greater good. Right. So if this new group of people comes in and says, Allison Camerata and Brian Stelter and Jake Tapper and Anderson Cooper and Don Lemon, you have to stop this. It's going to be hard for them to do that psychologically because then they're going to have to admit that what they've been doing for the last eight or nine years is wrong. That's a very difficult thing to get people to do. So I don't, I honestly don't know what's going to happen over there, but I do believe that the scandal is far from playing out. And we've, this is just the tip. You don't, you know, you don't dump a guy. You don't, a guy like Zucker does not resign over technicality. And that's what he says in his, his, his letter. Well, I, I neglected sure. to inform. You know, this is, this is much bigger. It's, it, it's, I don't know what's going to happen, Alex, but it's going to be delicious. Yeah, no, I'm I'm very inclined to watch. Um, it, it's an interesting moment that this is taking place because the media is in some uh, turmoil here. But, uh, John, I, they don't always come up with good solutions. And I want to talk to you about uh, Stephen Hayes, <laughs> who moved over to the uh, NBC. He's the guy who uh, ran the Weekly Standard into the ground. He now runs something called The Dispatch, which is not low impact. It's zero impact. It's absolute zero impact. And he was never good on TV. At Breitbart, he, we call him the cooler for always being wrong on all of his opinions. He was a Marco Rubio obsessive. He thought Trump had no chance to win. Um, it is uh, everyone at Breitbart who's been there knows he is uh, my historically 
a least favorite pundit in all of the pundits of all the horrible pundits. This is the guy who I think does the worst job at giving opinions on TV. Uh, there's no reason he's not good to listen to. He's not good to look at. And yet they keep putting him out on TV. And now he's failed upwards from Fox News to network television on NBC. Uh, John, explain this one to me. This is just another case of it has nothing to do with ratings and it has nothing to do with accuracy. It has nothing to do with even being interesting. This just has to do with, are you willing to say what we in the corporate media, our plantation demands you say the corporate media have a agenda, which is to further the power of government over, over everyone's lives to organize our lives. They have the same agenda as Black Lives Matter. They have the same agenda as, as Antifa. They have the same agenda as Bernie Sanders. The media is as far left as you can get. And it's funded by bil- literally billions and billions of dollars. So they don't need to worry about ratings because they're a very small piece of a, of a, of a uh, corporate pie. All, so they can just say, listen, we – we have this agenda. We're going to push it. And that's why the media has gotten worse over the years. Everybody was worried. You know, the left all worried. Oh, my gosh, they're, they're being gobbled up by these corporations and they're going to become compromised by these corporate corporations and we're going to lose it. Well, that's what happened. But corporations are left wing now because corporations are fascist. But also they don't have to worry about profits anymore. NBC is not by itself anymore. NBC News is not its own entity anymore. It's part of a massive corporation. Uh, a, a multinational corporation. So it's just a very small piece of the pie. So all they have to do is just push the agenda. That's all they have to do. Just That's what they worry about now, just push the agenda. So you have Biden saber-rattling with Ukraine. Who better to bring on than the, than the uh, king of misinformation when it was during the Iraq war than Stephen Hayes, the guy who wrote a whole book that was a hoax about Saddam Hussein being aligned with al-Qaeda. And I was I was a big supporter of the Iraq War, and even I never really bought that. That was you know of all the things. It's I such was a good call, that, uh, John. I was so yeah, I was so young at the time. Yeah, I was in high school, but I was sort of a default, I guess, uh, a Republican at that point, or at least that was sort of most of my worldview. I, I was sort of more libertarian, but I totally bought what was being sold to us by the Iraq War, which I regret even at sixteen. You know, looking back on it, it seems kind of stupid. Uh, but I didn't even buy that also. Like, I did not see the connection. And that was a literally, no. he wrote an entire book explaining it. And when he tried to water it, or when he tried to boil it down, which is where it should have been most effective, it was in the Weekly Standard. And the Weekly Standard is now completely removed from the Internet. <laughs> completely, it's gone now. You can't even look up the old stories. And he wasn't even convincing in that. So uh, this is a guy that is willing to to push the war machine the media loves the war machine and the media, you know, it's not that the media is unconcerned with ratings. They would love some ratings and nothing brings ratings like war. But it's not. And he's a perfect guy to bring on because he'll, he yeah. will say and do whatever he's told to say and do. Sure. It, but it is, it is, as you know, it is, it's about maintaining the status quo. It is about maintaining um, that uh, for, for, for the corporation, NBC, Comcast, Universal. Um, uh, speaking of NBC, Comcast, Universal, I want to bounce a couple ones off you that the media is kind of missing to a degree or at least covering it, I think, wildly irresponsibly, um, you know, of uh, you've got um, a skier, a, a woman named Eileen Gu, 
who grew up in California, won a, a bunch of meets in um, uh, Colorado. Those are sort of where she had her glory. She intends to go to Stanford, uh, but she is competing, and she will be the favorite in three races for the CCP, Chinese Communist Party, because uh, her mom was born there. And this seems to me like a massive scandal, in my opinion, but it's being treated very with, with kid gloves um, by our corporate media, who continues to whitewash the biggest threat to our country. They are also whitewashing human, human, human rights atrocities, the origins of the pandemic, which is still with us. Uh, it's just unbelievable stuff. It just reminds you how horrible the media is. The, the, why is this not a huge scandal? Yet, yet it's not. No one cares. Yeah, and, and it's because the, the media like communist china they, they like what's going on over there because they're they're a bunch of fascists they, they want the same thing they want the government running everything and i think what's funny about all this is talking about jake tapper again is it you know jake tapper latching on to the atrocities of the chinese yeah yeah that thing he does every six months where he tells the truth for about three minutes on his sure on a show that's that's on five five hours a week and then and then everybody just gushes over him because oh jake tapper he's Look, he's different, but you know, it's just that that it's just that hoax he does every six months. He just throws us yeah. a bone and accidentally and tells the truth, and then just moves on, going right back to what what he does before. The guy is so predictable. Well, and and and, and let me add some um, let me add some more to that, which I think supports your theory. Um, I'm reading an article from ESPN: Olympics 2022 free ski star Eileen Gu's delicate balancing act between China and the U.S. It's a delicate balancing act. Well, this is on ESPN. ESPN is ABC Disney. Disney, of course, does buku business in China. They don't see America and China as separate morally. They see China as a moral equivalent of the United States of America. That's how corrupt ESPN is. Um, and, you know, Jake Tapper, who works for AT&T Time Warner, uh, they don't have the same uh, depth of ties to China. So he, I think he gets a wider berth because his corporation is not as tied in with China as some of the other corporations. So he's free to go out there and say the truth about China. But basically the rest of the media is not, John, because almost every other ma major media outlet, not say AT&T, Time Warner doesn't have uh, some connections to China. They're just not nearly as deep as most of the rest of the corporate media, in particular NBC and ABC, uh, etc. and CBS. I mean, because the, the, all all of these are just so deeply tied uh, through their corporate hierarchy to the CCP that we're getting these massive stories ignored. And and the reason, you know, and and but even so, I mean, if if you had if you had any sort of morality, this would be your big narrative. All these corporations, you know, all these people are boycotting Spotify to, to silence Joe Rogan. Yeah. How many people are boycotting the Olympics? No one. And the Chinese communists are Nazis. They're just Nazis. They're no different. They do the same thing to, to minorities, to, to these uh, Uyghur Muslims. They, 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 are, they terrorize. The Chinese are Nazis. And everybody's doing business with them, big business, the media business. So, so, but, and then Jake Tapper does three minutes telling the truth, and then he goes back. This should be a narrative. This should be a major narrative. This should be the equivalent of South Africa. What, what we are, you're not old enough to remember, but I remember what happened with South Africa. How the media and Hollywood go watch Lethal Weapon Two, which came out in 1989. The whole movie, the biggest blockbuster of the year, um, revolved around South Africa, the horror of South Africa's apartheid. Um, but we won't do that now. Why? Because everyone's compromised. And Jake Tapper might not be directly compromised, but someday he's thinking, I might want to work for these people. I might want to work for NBC Universal. I might want to work for Disney. So I gotta, 
you know, I'm going to do my three minutes to get my to get my huzzas, but everyone's going to forget about it, all my pals. So they're all compromised, not just because they directly work for, for companies that, that, that want to do business and are doing business with them, but someday they might want to. And that's the problem when you've got five media companies. Basically, you got all these media companies under five umbrellas, five multinational umbrellas. Uh, John, let me run a few other things by you because I got about five minutes and I got a few other huge ones. Um, the Whoopi Goldberg is threatening to quit The View. This was explosive on the pages of Breitbart, 48,000 comments, which is unbelievable. You wrote up yesterday. Um, oh, I'm kind of with Whoopi on this. Uh, what Whoopi said was colossally stupid and she's a not, I don't think she's an impressive person in the slightest. I think The View is a, a cesspool uh, in general, but it's the... I don't know why she needs to be suspended or even fired over this. And I say this is someone with Jewish ancestry. It just, it's a, she's an idiot, but that doesn't mean that she needs to be suspended. She's saying, well, maybe it's too much. Maybe, maybe I should just quit. Um, it's, I kind of dig it, but what's really going on here? Yeah, this is, I think, you know, ABC Disney fired Gina Carano for using a perfectly acceptable al- analogy. She, she was starring on that Mandalorian show. Sure, of course. She's, right, she's a right of center thinker. And she put up a, a, a tweet that said uh, something about how the, the, the Nazis were able to get the, the, the German people to destroy the Jews, to, to, to bully the Jews. And she's, she's worried that's what's happening in America, especially with the, the vaccine where they're de- dehumanizing people. And now people are – Americans are attacking Americans. And that's all true, and that's a perfectly valid – but they fired her at Disney. They fired her. So Whoopi comes along and says something stupid, but which I think, and she still condemned the Holocaust, Whoopi did. Um, and I agree with you. I don't think she should have been suspended. Um, so, so I think they had to suspend her because what else are they going to do after they fired Gina Carano? And they were just put in a position where they had to suspend her. But it's also an overall problem in this country where no one can accept anyone thinking differently. And in Whoopi's case, she's thinking differently in a way that I find is stupid and ignorant, and I can't. It's I mean, saying that that, that the Nazis weren't defined, weren't uh, driven by race is like saying steel can't be melted by fire. It's just yeah. dumb. But I don't. I'm with you. I it's it's a point of view. It's not like she. It's not like what Roseanne did. Roseanne compared a black woman to a monkey. That's an insult. That's insulting someone. Right. All that Whoopi's doing is expressing a point of view, and it's a dumb point of view. But I mean, but people get, you know, oh, you know, language is violence. And now, now we're in that situation. So those are the two things I think is going on. And they need, they need and to cover themselves is with also violence. Pardon me? Yeah, it's a great point. And remember Gina Carano's co-star, the guy Pedro Pascal, uh, used a much more vicious Nazi comparison to right-wingers and had no uh, consequence for that. That's right. And it, but in his defense, though, he defended Gina Carano. So that's good. Uh, but, yeah, good point. But as far as Whoopi, that's what I think is going on there. But you're right; she shouldn't have been suspended. It's ridiculous that she got suspended. Debate her. You know, have someone come on and debate her. Let's do a debate and make her defend it. And maybe maybe she'll learn that way. I don't know. But you don't take a 66 year old woman and and throw her off the air because she holds a bad opinion. I don't care what that opinion is. And that's not that's not how things are supposed to work in this country. You don't tell someone to shut up. You say, okay, let's let's have it out. Well, and this is the problem when you don't think of free speech as an absolute uh, and it just becomes you just have to parse and and the parsing is just uh, it's just such a it's such a lose lose scenario because then nobody wins with a forced apology and nobody wins when you bully someone 
into saying and the apologies don't get us anywhere. We've been we've been doing the apology culture for five years at least. Like, no, it doesn't yeah. get. Has anyone actually been forgiven for one apology? Of course not. So it's all. Which which brings me to the last thing I got to bring up, and I only got about a minute or so. But I, I do want your hot take on Joe Rogan, who gave the, the most minor apology, but still did not work at all. He said he's going to change his show to some degree. Um, to appease the r- radical artist community. I don't know why he didn't tell them all to say, j- and just say F off. I don't get it. Um, but what's your thoughts on uh, where we're at with the Rogan saga? Well, hopefully the Rogan, the Rogan thing seems to be slowing down. I was worried that a Taylor Swift or a Bruce Springsteen was going to pop out. And that would have been, that would have been a very big deal. And that's what I think Spotify was terrified about was this cascading someone beyond these sixties hippies, these nobodies. But Rogan, you know, I don't think he he covered himself in glory. You know, they you you retreat a little bit, they encroach, and that's how it always works. And he's you know he's basically going to accept a warning label on his show. He's going to change his show when he did nothing wrong. And when you do nothing wrong, if you do something wrong, you apologize. If you do nothing wrong, you give them the middle finger. That guy is sleeping on a pile of money. He should have stood up for himself. He should have told yeah, them does. all where to go. Um, he should have stood up for a higher principle of free speech, and instead he got on there like a muley little gerbil, and he gave them and he gave them room. He backed up, yeah, and I'm, then they uh, took it. And, and I'm, I'm getting sick of the fake free speech culture. There's so many people who are, you know, being touted as, you know, sort of the the paragons of anti wokeism, and you know they would cancel people like you and me, John, in a second if they ever got enough power. And it's just it's just very annoying to me. We just we have the worst heroes now. John, we could go on all day, but unfortunately, I do got to take a break. John Nolte, at Nolte NC on Twitter, one of the few Twitters I still recommend to people. Senior writer, Breitbart News, my actual godfather. Brilliant writer. Read everything he writes to Breitbart. Thanks, John. All right, Daddy-O, thank you. As we're all gradually coming back from the pandemic, I've found that the best way to hold on to new memories you're making is by turning them into art that lasts forever. From Paint Your Life. You're getting out there, you're traveling, you're taking vacations, you're celebrating some things again. Perhaps it's a birthday or a wedding. And now at PaintYourLife.com, you can immortalize those events with truly affordable and quite breathtaking art. Professional hand-painted portraits created from any photo at a truly affordable price. You can combine photos of people or places that you love into one painting. And a team of world-class artists will work with you to get every detail Perfect. They have a really user-friendly platform, makes it really easy to get a custom-made, hand-painted portrait in less than five minutes, and it only takes about two weeks to ship. You can send any picture of yourself, your children, your family, a special place, someone you love who isn't around anymore, perhaps, or a cherished pet, my favorite, an action shot of you, your children playing, playing your favorite sport, etc. It's a great gift, and they're so flexible, and they really work with you to get you exactly what you want, meaningful, personal, and can be cherished forever. At PaintYourLife.com, there's no risk. If you don't love the final painting, your money is is refunded, guaranteed. And right now, as a limited time offer, get 20% off your painting. That's right, 20% off and free shipping. To get this special offer, text the word Breitbart to 64000. That's Breitbart to 64000. Text Breitbart to 64000. Paint your life. Celebrate the moments that matter most. Terms apply. Available at PaintYourLife.com slash terms. Again, text Breitbart to 64000.
All right, one of the most compelling Americans, in my opinion, is J.D. Vance. He's in a really uh, tight U.S. Senate race right now in Ohio. Um, he's going up against some other pretty qualified candidates as well, unfortunately, because there are so many good candidates in that race and so many weak candidates in other races. But uh, I digress quite a bit. Uh, but uh, J.D. and I uh, have been in contact for a while, ever since I read his book, Hillbilly Elegy, uh, many years ago, which is really a terrific book. And he's got a lot of interesting ideas about where the Republican Party needs to go from here, kind of moving away from the establishment, military-industrial complex um, pose that they've had for so long and moving towards a much more populist, much more America-first model. And he wants to take on big tech uh, as much as the rest of us. But we do get into the JCPA bill, which is being sold as an attack on big tech and is not. Plus, we talk about Ukraine and China and the Olympics and much more. He's also a pretty good soundbite machine as well. So always good when J.D.'s on. Let's roll it. J.D., great to have you back on, my friend. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, So a lot to get to today, and I want to start with, um, I want to talk about China, and I want to talk about uh, what is going on in the United States of America at this time, where we seem to be very content to ignore what is going on with China with this genocide game that's taking place. I want to get your thoughts on America uh, competing in the Olympics that were about to take place, whether or not you think that's appropriate, uh, some of the media coverage, which is already trying to hype up the Olympics, and if you have any reaction to America mid-pandemic. We're still near at peak deaths in the United States for the pandemic, and also it is something where we have still human rights atrocities, internment camps, organ harvesting, etc., colonizing of Africa, uh, the list goes on of Chinese aggression around the world. And still, we're going to go over there, we're going to dignify them. What is your take on this? Should we participate? Any more thoughts? No, I don't think we should participate. I think we're basically legitimizing um, a genocidal regime, but also, of course, a regime that I think has caused a lot of damage and a lot of problems here, right here in our own country. And obviously, I care about the Uyghurs, and I care about you know, importantly, the hypocrisy of the media that will spend days on a fake hate crime news cycle here in, in the United States. Remember Jesse Smollett and the week that we spent obsessed sure. with that. And yet when there are millions of actual uh, genocidal victims in China, the media can't seem to care about it, nor can, of course, any of our major corporations or our sports teams. But, it, but it, the hypocrisy here to me is not really the issue. To me, it, it reveals what this is really about. And it's power, right? I mean, at the end of the day, if the left cared about racial violence, if the left cared about mistreating people, if the left cared about human rights, then China would be target number one on their roster. But because their media and corporate allies are effectively in bed with the Chinese financially and owe their future revenues to the Chinese, we we never talk about what's really going on in China. And we never talk about the fact that our own leaders effectively sold us out to the Chinese. And that that really is, is the story here. It's not that China uh, is a bad country. Of course it is. It's not that our leaders are hypocritical. It's that their hypocrisy reveals this is all about power. They only care about racism. They only care about human rights. They only care about all the things they say they care about when it leads them to get more power. If it doesn't, they couldn't care less. Yeah, and it's not just, uh, you know, Democrats, which is it's easy to pick on the Democrats who have been terrible on this issue, but it's also establishment Republicans. It's also Wall Street. It's also big tech. Uh, and it just the list of people who have sold out to the CCP goes on. Establishment media over and over again with almost no exceptions, only one or two of the corporate media class. They all are tied to China in some ways. And China uh, does not have the First Amendment. They don't tolerate free speech there. And attacks on them are taken very seriously. 
And it's amazing how a the United States of America that spends so much time being self-critical, which has largely been pretty good, but now we're kind of gone obsessive in terms of being self-critical, uh, that we're not criticizing our top geopolitical foe. It, something's got to give here, J.D., doesn't it? You, know, you would think so. Uh, but at the end of the day, uh, the left has taken over. I talk about this all the time, Alex. The left has taken over every institution in the country. Right. This is not the 1980s when you know maybe the private sector was still mostly aligned with the right or at least neutral. Uh, they've now taken over the media. They've taken over the universities. They've taken over uh, some of our biggest corporations. And the left is so aligned with the Chinese on some of these big issues uh, that, 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 I, that I worry that unless we make something break, it's not just going to happen. Right. I mean, the, the thing that kind of bothers me and, and you, know, you and I have been China hawks, I think we're, we're, we're OG China hawks. Right. The thing that bothers me about the criticisms of China is that it very often lets our own leaders off the hook. China yes. had an explicit strategy for 50 years to basically feed off of the decadence and the corruption of American elites. They knew that we would sell our manufacturing base to them. They knew that we'd eventually let them manufacture all of our pharmaceuticals. Uh, they knew that, I mean, my God, that our public health authorities might be funding their own gain-of-function research in, in their virology labs. And they took advantage of this. So the problem really is not the Chinese. I'm not worried about the Chinese. I'm worried about Western elites and American leaders continuing to sell out their own country to the Chinese. And my God, we have to do something about this, right? And, and I really, I, we need to really hammer on what that is because it's consequences. You're not going to convince Apple, the NBA, the media to stop doing business and to stop depending on the Chinese unless we're willing to face or force consequences on these guys. And that's what American leaders have been so unwilling to do. To your point, even a lot of weak spineless Republicans have refused to actually do anything about our own institutions working with the Chinese. This is such a, a, a important point, and it's a theme that I think connects a lot of stories and a lot of what we do at, at Breitbart is the frustration with not just that people make bad decisions, but then there's no accountability for them. I was just looking at this Johns Hopkins study uh, that showed that lockdowns only maybe reduced COVID deaths by 0.2%. Uh, I'm shocked they reduced them at all, JV, J JD, to be honest with you, because it, the logic of you not being able to go to a bar or a restaurant outdoors or a sporting event outdoors, which was the case for months, um, with a bunch of healthy people who are young and said you're trapped in your home with old people who are immunocompromised. It, it seems like the exact wrong approach. Uh, we basically learned it did nothing. The media's not talking about it. It's a, they're not talking about the study. It's an explosive study. It debunks a huge narrative. Why are they not talking about it? We know why they're not talking about it, because it shows that they all got it wrong. And when everyone gets the same issue wrong the same way, for example, your point about China, how we're 50 years into the 100-year marathon, maybe 60 years, that Michael Pillsbury wrote about, where China's been gaining ground on us for all this time, all these decades, and we have supported it. We've been active participants in this. When everyone's been wrong from the same angle, then there's no discussion of it aside from in the alternative press. Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, think about this. 20 years ago, everybody knew that normalizing trade relations with the Chinese would make them more democratic and the United States more prosperous. Ten years ago, everybody knew that there was no financial crisis or no housing bubble. Uh, Fifteen years ago, everybody knew that Iraq had weapons of mass destruction and that it would right. be a quick and easy war. Think about all the things that everybody knew that they were totally wrong about. And the main thing that's broken in this country, you're exactly right, is the lack of accountability. I mean, Bill Crystal, right, this guy who 
has been wrong about nearly every major issue in public life, Bill Crystal still gets think tank fellowships. He still gets media consultancy gigs. He still makes a lot of money to offer his opinions, even though his opinions have been catastrophic for the country. Now, the problem is not Bill Crystal, right? The guy's a joke and he's an idiot. The problem is why do our institutions keep on giving credibility to those who have failed us? And I go back to this point about consequences. What conservatives are very good at, and I, you know, I've been a conservative my whole life, we're very good at pointing out the problem. We're very good at pointing out the hypocrisy right. of the left. And some of us are even good at being courageous in the face of the left-wing mob when they come after us. But what we very often stop at is using the same tools, fighting fire with fire. Why is it that Anthony Fauci still has a job? I mean, frankly, why is it that Anthony Fauci is still walking free in light of the fact that he explicitly perjured himself before Congress? He said they didn't fund gain-of-function research, and of course we know that's now wrong. We never expose these people to consequences, and that's what has to change. Because until people like Bill Kristol don't just get shamed, but actually start losing their income when they lead us into catastrophic wars, we're going to keep on making the same mistakes. And of course, China is where the elites have been most wrong and faced the fewest consequences. Uh, this is such a great uh, point, J.D., because uh, earlier in the show we've been talking a lot about uh, one of my personal obsessions, which is a guy named Stephen Hayes who ran the Weekly Standard in the ground, who is my all-time least favorite pundit in the history of pundits. He's a guy who had never had any business being on TV, wrong about everything, and had left Fox News because he doesn't like Tucker Carlson, uh, apparently, or something like that. And now he gets a job on network NBC. Uh, he was one of the guys who was the top salespeople for the Iraq war. No consequences for that. He just keeps getting better jobs. And at the same time, we're learning simultaneously Joe Biden's deploying 3,000 troops to the, to the Russia-Ukraine border. Not the Europe, uh, I'm sorry, not the uh, American uh, southern border. The Russia-Ukraine border. We're sending troops there. And we're learning also yep. that there is no imminent threat from Russia to invade Ukraine, according to our own White House. So the military industrial complex is alive and well, and their, their people, their salespeople, keep getting jobs in corporate media. Yeah, that's right. And this is a, this is a very important point, Alex. Why is it that two weeks ago, I mean, I was led to believe by our intelligence services, by their media cheerleaders, by the military pundits that they put on TV, that Russia was going to walk across the border of the Ukraine. Yes. The next day, right? And this was not supposed to happen a couple weeks from now or a few months from now. They were acting like Russia was going to invade the next day. And even the Ukrainians were saying the Americans are being stupid. They're actually adding fuel to the fire instead of, instead of maybe you know, being peacemakers here. And it makes you wonder, again, who are we led by? Why are they so stupid? And why do they keep on being able to get things wrong while still receiving a paycheck? Yeah, I mean, like I, I to step back from this, you know, like I, I went to nice schools and I come from a working class background. And sort of I've seen both worlds of this. And my view on this is, you know, five years ago, I would have said that the elites in this country were, yeah, they were kind of wrong, but they were mostly, you know, good faith people. And yeah, what you exactly. realize is it's not hypocrisy going on. It's, it's hierarchy that these people have constructed a world where even when they're catastrophically wrong, normal people don't get to say anything about it, right? You're censored on social media. You're called a racist. Maybe you're fired from your job. They have built an entire system. That's what this country's leadership class is. It is a system that protects mediocre people who are destroying the greatest country in the world. That is the fundamental problem. In some ways, that's why I'm running for Senate, is because we have to de-institutionalize these people. We did it you know, after World War II. We basically kicked the Nazi Party out of Germany. We did it you know, catastrophically. 
maybe after Iraq where we said everybody who is involved in the Ba'ath Party can't be part of the government. What these people are trying to do is make it so the conservatives have no role in the actual institutional leadership of the country. And frankly, it's time for us to fight fire with fire because we haven't screwed up, right? Conservatives have not been the main drivers of the most catastrophic decisions, with, with the exception of the Iraq war, which, of course, Patrick Buchanan, I think the truest conservative in the country at the time, was pushing back against. But most of the time, the left has ruined the country with no consequences. That is not an accident. It's by design. So so give me your plan. So give me, I mean, in a nutshell, obviously, we can't probably get through the whole plan today. But, but give me your thought. I love this concept of deinstitutionalizing. Um, but how, how do you do it? Where do you start? Especially knowing that so many of your colleagues, even on the right, are just not. You get to the Senate. I can guarantee you Mitch McConnell is not going to be excited about this. So uh, how do we start doing it? Yeah, that's right. I, mean, I will say, though, that, look, you're never going to have 50 great Republican senators. But I think if you have 10 good Republican senators, you can actually make a lot of headway on this. Because most people in Washington, I could tell you some stories, but you know, most people in Washington, I've learned the hard way, basically just go along to get along. So if you just change the center of gravity of the party, I do think we can do good things. I, mean, I think it's going to be issue by issue, right? There's not sort of a single answer here. It's, it's, it's you take this goal of deinstitutionalizing and you go through, you know, you go through the institution. So in Silicon Valley, I think that you address the common carrier regulation problem. You make it so that Silicon Valley can't discriminate against conservatives, which is basically how we have the speech censorship regime egged on by the Biden administration. Now, so that's one solution in the, in the, in the universities. I think it's preposterous that conservatives have allowed universities to basically have a massive tax advantage over everybody else in the country. Now, think about it. If, if I sell a house for $100,000 or make $100,000, I have to pay tax on that. But if the Harvard University Endowment sells a real estate portfolio of $100 million, it pays zero tax on it. I think it's time to tax the university endowment to actually go after the power center of the left, which is the universities, and to frankly start messing with their accreditation if they're teaching radical anti-American ideologies. That's the solution on the universities. You know, in, in corporate America, I think we have to go straight to the heart of this ridiculous ESG, this environmental and yeah. social-focused investing, which is basically turning our entire economy into another left-wing institution. So I think it's issue by issue, but if we keep the goal in mind, what we're really trying to do is create a world where conservatives actually have room to live, to breathe, to work, and to make arguments that I think are ultimately going to win the day. Yeah, speaking of arguments, I do want to get your take on what's going on at, at Spotify, where the uh, artist community and the White House and the Surgeon General, the World Health Organization, all don't like a Joe Rogan who's not a man of the right and, in fact, kind of buckled it a little bit and suggested he would change his show because of all the artists who are mad at him. Um, but there is this culture of we cannot have debate, we cannot have disagreement, we cannot have discussion anymore, so long as you hit some sort of a third rail that the establishment doesn't like. Uh, you're in, any, anything in this story that you think is important to point out? Well, I mean, you know, one is just the obvious fact uh, that there's a narrower and narrow subject of things that we can actually discuss in this country, and it's making us all stupid, and we should ask ourselves – when have the censors ever been the good guys? When have the people trying to shut down debate ever been the good guys? They never are. But, but importantly, Alex, you know, when I make this argument that we need to do something big about the social media giants, I'm very often met with one good faith criticism from the right. I think it's good faith when they say, well, these are private companies. And I always point out that, you know, they're not actually private companies. They've benefited from a number of special government privileges that no other industry does. Set that to the side. If the Biden administration is bullying Spotify to censor Joe Rogan, 
that is a classic violation of the First Amendment. They're using these companies to accomplish censorship that the government could never accomplish directly. That eliminates this whole these are private company argument that the government is forcing these companies to do this or even encouraging them to do it. That is when it runs afoul of the First Amendment. And this is dangerous, dangerous stuff. More than, I mean, Joe Rogan, yeah, he's got a big audience, but the fact that the president of the United States is going after this guy suggests that we're in a very dark time in free speech in this country. And if we don't, again, if we don't take the power away from these companies and these bureaucrats to censor people, it doesn't matter what happens. It doesn't matter who we vote for, how good our arguments are. If they remove us from the public square, we're going to lose. This is the fight that we have to win. Uh, and it's also noteworthy that even before the White House directly weighed in, the Surgeon General weighed in, and he said the same thing. There needs to be more censorship, which people should have said, whoa, that's a violation of the First Amendment right there. But no one really did. We pointed out at Breitbart, but other than that, kind of everyone ignored that. And so that kind of gave the green light for the uh, for Jen Psaki to weigh in directly. Um, J.D., I got about a minute, and I do want to get your quick take if you have one on the JCPA, which is this sort of media cartel bill. Uh, it's a tough one because a lot of people are framing it as anti-big tech, and I know you've been a warrior against the big tech conglomerates, but it basically, I think, will lead to a cartel of corporate media that will be collectively bargaining with big tech. They're some of the same people. It's going to put people like me on the outs uh, in independent media. Are, are you up on this? Do you have any thoughts on it? Yeah, my brief thoughts are pretty much exactly what you said. That there are there are some important goals that are built in the legislation, but it does in some ways encourage this this sort of cartel behavior with the existing mainstream press, and that makes it a deal breaker. It makes it basically a calamity. So there's a there's a universe where if you fix some of the problems here, you you might actually have a good piece of legislation. But I think it's always important to look to the people who have actually been warriors on this stuff. Where are they coming down on it? You know, I think I think Josh Hawley, of course, has endorsed me in the Senate race. is a good friend of mine. Uh, sounds like he's not a huge fan of this legislation. And I and I think that you know if if Breitbart and Alex Marlowe and Josh Hawley think that this is bad, uh, we should step back and wonder what it's actually doing. Thanks, JD. That's very nice of you. JDVance.com for JD's uh, uh, Senate campaign website at JDVance one on Twitter. Always a pleasure, and we'll speak to you soon. Thanks, Alex. Take care. Well, that will do it for today. Many thanks to Robert Marlowe, who helps me pick topics. Producer Haley and Greg Eben make the show sound so smooth. And thanks to all of you who've told 10,000 friends and family members about the show, uh, shared it, hit subscribe, left a five-star review. All of that is very helpful and helps us grow and get bigger and better. All right, we'll talk to you tomorrow. Thanks for listening.